2: The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by Viral Brand Goggles, Fly Racing USA, and FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with me on the line, the user of many different products over there from FMF, goes by the name of Colt Nichols. How's the number 31 machine?
0: 31 machines doing good, my man. Well, the machine's sitting idle right now, but uh, I'm doing quite well, so I can't, I can't complain.
2: Well, the, the 31 machines doing well then. It's all prepped and ready to go. It's it's is patiently waiting for uh, for its master to uh, climb on board and uh, and make it do unspeakable things. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the idea behind it. So I'm hoping it'll be sooner than later. But uh, yeah, for now we're just sitting around waiting and uh, doing everything I can um, as far as recovery wise and trying to make sure that as soon as we get the green light, we're ready to go and we can take off and get ready for Dallas.
2: Well there you go. And now like obviously your your original uh, plan was to be at Anaheim 1, uh setting down uh, liquid fast practice laps and uh, and qualifying into the main events with ease and then of course taking on taking on your very first main event win. But uh that will be on hold until uh the East Coast now. But uh tell us how you got to where you're at right now as far as uh the get off, the injury and now the recovery.
0: Uh, yeah, the get off was was kind of an interesting crash. I mean, I I crashed and then everybody that was out at the track was kind of just staring at me, waiting for me to get up because it wasn't really too crazy of a crash. Um, but I landed just right and landed right on my humerus and ended up snapping it in half, like right in the middle of the humerus. So um it's a really big bone. It's, you know, something that can or cannot take a long time depending on where you break it. And I actually feel like I broke it in a good spot right in the middle. So um had Dr. Alexander put a rod in, a few screws, and uh, called it good. So been on the recovery path ever since. Uh, you know, started cycling a few days after surgery and um, started doing some rehab in the pool recently. So doing, I mean, damn near everything I could possibly do um, to try to come back quicker and stronger and better than I was before. So um, it was unfortunate, really, just because the spot that I was in before I got hurt, um, it, it happened – like the day that I crashed it happened probably five or six laps into riding that day. Um, and we were riding at a brand new Yamaha track that had just got rebuilt. And I, I think I was maybe a little too confident. Uh, I, I guess you could say everything was just going so perfect and everything came so easy and just seemed so natural. And man, the last three weeks before I got hurt was probably the best I've ever rode in my life. And I just was, was really, really confident in everything that was going on. And, um, just maybe misjudged a little jump too much, and I uh, didn't really expect for that to happen, you know, the end result. But that's the way it goes, man. It's dirt bikes. We, uh, we do a very dangerous sport, but we all know the risk, and that's half the reason why we love it. So it's just part of the business, man. But I, I know I'm going to come back stronger, and if I can get back to anywhere where I was, I'll be very, very happy. And I think we've got a lot of races to go in.
2: For sure. Speed is not something you, that you lack uh, at, at all. And I, I, th- I think that's something that you can always uh, have confidence in. Uh, what was the reaction from uh, team manager Will Hahn when you went down? Obviously didn't rush over to you because it didn't look like a big one. But once he knew that you were hurt, um, like, what, what was his reaction to that? Knowing he's a guy who dealt with a lot of injury in his career.
0: Yeah, he was actually, honestly, a really good person to have there. And I'm really glad he's in our corner. Um, he's done a hell of a job as far as being a team manager and getting things taken care of, facilitating all the stuff. I mean, he's honestly done a really awesome job. But, um, yeah, he came over as actually as soon as I crashed. And at the time, my arm kind of went numb, obviously, from the impact and from it being broken. Um, but I'd popped my shoulder out once before on the other side, and okay. that's kind of the feeling. That It's like I couldn't really control –
2: your hand the lower
0: yeah i just couldn't really control it it was like flailing around i was like what the hell so um i was actually trying to put my shoulder in myself because i thought my shoulder was out of place so i'm like twisting my arm all around and doing all this stuff and i'm trying to have him do it and he wouldn't touch it because he was like man i'm scared i don't want to touch it and i'm like all right well shit take me somewhere then so um that's when we got in the van and loaded up and took me to the doctor and realized that it was actually a broken humerus not a shoulder so i'm actually glad he didn't go wrenching on that thing but he had done that once before, so I was glad to uh, kind of have his inside a little bit. And It was unfortunate, obviously, that he had done that, but it was good at the same token because he helped me out a lot with it and kind of told me what to expect and a timetable on return on kind of what he thinks it'll be and some stuff like that. So it was actually really good, and uh, I'm glad he's in our corner.
2: For sure. It's unfortunate that Will did have as many injuries as he did during his career, but that did uh, give him a well of knowledge of uh, not only recovery times, but uh, just kind of the nature of some of those injuries that he sustained, whether they were uh, he did knees, he did shoulders, he did back stuff, you name it, collarbones, uh, shoulders, uh, you name it. So uh, um, a guy that definitely has a good background and can be sympathetic with things like that, because, yeah, like you said, uh, the guy was literally in your position on Star Racing Yamaha uh, getting, having, dealing with an injury and having to come back, and uh, honestly, um, unfortunately, you're you're not uh, a stranger to it either. Uh, the adversity that you faced during your career, I got to imagine, uh, although that maybe doesn't create a lot of momentum for you, definitely does uh, give you the confidence to know that you can come back, you can go fast, and uh, we proved that late, uh, late last year in the Nationals when you started clicking off some uh, some podiums.
0: Yeah, I mean, most definitely, it's it's a catch twenty-two, really, because. You know, you have one side of the table where people are like, oh, man, he'll come back quick, and it's no big deal, but that's just because of previous things I've done. You know, my femur, we came back a hell of a lot quicker than anybody expected me to be back racing. So, uh, you know, and that's why this seems so minor when it happened because I was like, man, if I can do the femur thing, I can feel like I can do anything, literally. Um, That was a very, very tough thing for me to do, and that was probably one of the hardest injuries I had to come back from. So that's why this seems so minor, but at the same time, it's kind of, It kind of sucks in the other end because people look at it and they're like, oh, man, it's no big deal. You'll be back and don't worry and yada, yada. But, man, there's still so much work that has to be put in. And, um, you know, the days are busier now than they were when I was riding. You know, it's this place to go try to recover, then that place to go recover and doing this kind of treatment and that treatment. And uh, it's just a lot going on, you know, but that just comes with the territory. But I know I'll be back to where we were and like I said if I can get anywhere close to where I was actually before I had this injury then man I really have nothing to worry about and
1: man I had a lot
0: of confidence and everything was going just the way I wanted it to and we were on the right track and got a little derailed but like I said I'm not really sweating this much at all man if I can just do what I need to do and I'll be back in no time and we'll be
2: ready to go at Dallas. For sure, now everyone's just downplaying your, uh, the injury because you've you proved yourself so much in the past. Everyone's ah, you got this, buddy. But uh, the, yeah. the fact is, is that uh, you, the the team that you're on is just absolutely stacked. Um, honestly, if you guys if they if they line all of the 250F guys up in one race, which they will do a couple of times this year, um, it, it's not outside the realm of possibilities to see all five of you uh, just sweep the top five. And that's and I I, I seriously mean that from from the rookie sensation in Justin Cooper uh, still still running the the, uh, the the nine or the one nine. One nine one on his back uh, while, while spinning laps the, at the test track, uh, or whether it's uh, it's you on the, the thirty one machine. Uh, you guys got the freckle in there now. You've got Plessinger. You've got Dylan Fernandez. It's it. There's there's a ton of t- talent on this team, and uh, you guys really know how to push each other's pace. How important is that for you to have around you to know that? Uh, um, although you may may not be turning laps with some of the guys uh, all like every single day, you're at the track with some of the guys that you'll be competing against. Uh, who are under other teams. The fact is, your team itself is a pretty competitive environment in and of itself.
0: Oh, most definitely, man. I I really feel like we got a strong team, and we've kind of done everything together, you know, really. Um, At the practice tracks before I got hurt, you know, all four of us that trained with Swanee, you know, we were riding together every day. It was me, Plessinger, Justin Cooper, Mitchell Oldenburg, all of us were at the time, Ferrandis was hurt. So, uh, you know, he hadn't been riding. He just started riding not too long ago, and and we, we were riding with each other every day, doing motos every single day, and it was awesome, because I, I also got to judge myself, kind of see where I was compared to everybody else, and then we were able to push each other, and, um, man, that, that's the most beneficial when you can do that, and we worked really good together, and, you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, you want to be the fastest every day, some days it works out, some days it doesn't, but in order to have those people there around you to push and to, uh, you know, kind of let you reach that next level, which is kind of where I feel like I was. Um, Before I got injured, it's really important, and it's hard to get that, you know, depending on where you are, but I feel like what they've done with our team is second to none, and uh, I'm just pumped on where I am and how everybody's doing. We have such a good team, like you've been saying, and I'm looking forward to seeing how some of our guys do on on the West Coast. I think, like, especially the rookie is going to come out and surprise a a lot of people, and um, Oldenburg and Flessinger, obviously, they have proved themselves and they're championship contenders, but uh, I look for a lot of people to be surprised by Justin Cooper by the time West Coast gets a little break, they're going to be like, wow, oh, this kid did do it well.
2: No doubt. Well, I think I'm going to have to uh, chat with Mitchell uh, later on this week, if not next week, because I'm not sure, sure if you know this, Colt, but every time that I've had uh, Mitchell on my podcast, the very following week he has his uh, his career best finish, so like his first top five was right after he, I had him on the first time, he got his first podium the week after I had him on the second time, and then I had him on again because of that, and then we, he got second, so I, obviously, like just for, for good luck's sake, I might have to speak with him prior to that event, just to give him a little extra boost heading into A1. Yeah,
0: fair enough, I mean, whatever works, you know, I, I think he's going really well right now, and I expect him to do really good things, uh, really everybody on the team, man. It's been fun working with him, and I'm looking forward to going to the races and supporting these guys on the West Coast and then uh, lining up to do battle myself.
2: No doubt. Do, do bang with all, all of them. In fact, uh, I don't, I've, Like the first time that uh, everyone's together, I believe, is Indianapolis. Uh, like, Is that kind of where you've got your sights set on to really uh, be peaking for, uh, to, to show the, the whole rest of the team that uh, the 31 machine is the top dog into the tent?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I, you always want to win, but you always at least want to be first on your team. And, um, you know, that's the whole idea. I, I know the West coast guys will have a good little swing and they'll have all the confidence going in from racing. And once we start, we can kind of get that and you can kind of start to find your flow a little bit, but man, I'm excited that they're combining everything. I think it'll be fun and mainly just interesting for the fans. You know, I think the fans will get treated to a hell of a race regardless. And, uh, always adds a lot of drama, you know, which is always fun. No one shies away from that. So, I'm looking forward to it, though. Of course, I want to be uh, want to be first on the team, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes
2: for sure now so uh like last year uh, on the on the east you had the the same uh, same teammate in Dylan Ferrandis on the, uh, like you guys both rolled into uh Supercross you had the injury he was basically getting uh more accustomed to Supercross obviously it was his first year over here um but the the two of you are somewhat coming off of an injury uh like he had an injury uh late last year uh you're dealing with what you have right now is uh, are you now competing with him just to see who can peak uh For the first round, or is he a few steps ahead of you right now? Um,
0: I think he's, I think it goes both ways a little bit. You know, I I feel like I was a few steps ahead of, um, you know, maybe everybody um, before I got hurt. And, uh, you know, that's why I was riding a a big high from from that. We just, we had put in so much work and we were doing everything so perfect, man. It was, uh, it was honestly what you do this for, you know, to get that feeling of feeling like you're invincible on a dirt bike. And, uh, now he, you know, have a little bit of upper hand on me. He's been riding a little longer, obviously, with my six or however, however long weeks it takes to come back from riding. But, um, man, of course, I mean, that's that's why we all do this is because we're competitive. I think if you weren't that way, then you shouldn't be doing this. You know, it's just the way it is. And um, I don't really care who it is, whether it's Sarandis or AP or anybody from any other team. I, I want to beat him and I want to be the best. And uh, that's just the attitude I feel like you got to have.
2: No doubt. No. Uh, so this year uh, for the, for the team, uh, everyone's uh, kind of become synonymous the the Rockstar uh, sponsor with the team. But uh, now it's a brand new energy drink. You guys got the Monster Claw on the jersey, on the helmet, and on the shroud, just like the uh, the factory team. Um, like, when did you first find out that was going to be the case? And uh, do you have a few extra uh, Monster or Rockstar helmets uh, hanging around your house that uh, someone might uh, be able to steal from you?
0: um i don't know if i do or not i got a few up in this little uh tv stand i got here as a little decoration to make it look pretty but um yeah the the monster thing i'm pretty pumped it all happened um not because of anything in specific but i just i was with them as an amateur you know i i uh, was team green rider for a long time so we were monster backed and I, i liked all those guys over there they were all really good to me and they actually helped me out a lot as the amateur, you know, they were kind of once helping me get from race to race by helping pay for a few things or whatever. So I was pumped to be back with the, with the cloth. And, uh, I think it's really good look for us. The bikes look awesome. Helmets look good. You know, we match back with Yamaha, which I think is pretty important. And, uh, no, I'm pumped on it, man. I, I think it's, I'm pumped to be with a, a good brand like monster. It's gonna be sweet
2: absolutely the only downside of that is not be not seeing uh, james Hansen's smiling face uh just about every weekend when he's uh, rolling by the truck and and passing out uh um uh, most likely some some cases of uh, of of rockstar that have water in them um but uh yeah no the, like uh, that he's he's a great individual that rolls around the sport and uh like uh although you won't see him as much uh you'll probably still uh, see that guy smiling face in and around the track cuz he is at every single race
0: No, yeah, he'll be around. He was awesome to work with, and, uh, you know, I I haven't really spoke to them much since, but I feel like everybody left on good terms, and uh, everything was all good, so it's kind of just a business thing. It has nothing to do with us. It's all team stuff, obviously, so he was a good dude, but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know these dudes at Monster a little bit better and uh, building a relationship with those guys and trying to move forward.
2: For sure. Now, uh, later on this uh, this evening, I will be calling up your trainer, Gareth Swanapool, um, and, uh, and I'll be grilling him with all the tough questions, one of which will be, uh, of w- what kind of athlete a Colt Nichols is? What, what kind of, what motivates Colt? What kind, how is he to deal with when he's down? How is he to deal with when he's up? And, uh, and what's, what's he going to say when I, when I ask him those kind of questions?
0: <laughs> I, uh, I honestly don't know. I want you to grill him, though. I want you to ask him everything, and because I'm anxious to hear some of the answers as well. But um, I honestly don't know, man. But I have really enjoyed working with Gareth and getting to know him, you know, over the last year and year and some change. And uh, it's just been really fun, man. I, I feel like we got a really good relationship, and uh, it's been fun to get to know somebody like that and pick his brain a little bit and learn and gain some knowledge from the training side of things. I think as athletes, we're always trying to do that, you know, to get an upper hand. Um, but it's just really good man I I really like working with the guys got a lot of knowledge and uh, he's helped me a lot you know a a whole lot you know Robbie helped me for years get to this point and then now that I'm here working with Gareth it's been it's been great man I I can't say enough good things about that guy and um, I'm looking forward to uh, many more years ahead man I think we've got a good relationship and hopefully we can build and keep going with all this stuff is the whole idea and go win some championships and have a lot of success and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, you know, regardless whether you're friends or foes or whatever the case may be. Um, it's all about going and trying to win, you know, win some championships, and I feel like we can do that.
2: For sure. Now, what would you say is his greatest strength as a trainer, whether it be uh, relating to uh, to a professional racer, given the fact that he was one, or uh, like how to vary up your uh, your program so that things stay fresh for you, so that things stay interesting for you, or uh, is he just as well of knowledge that uh, that he knows quite a bit about the different <clears throat> areas of training, whether that be cardiovascular, weight training, uh, recovery, you name it.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it's just a combination of all of it, really. Uh, I, I think the racing side of things comes in huge whenever we're talking about anything to relate with the team. Um, he's very involved with the team and what we do and how we do it, and uh, that's been crucial for me, you know, because now that we have Will on board, it's a lot easier, too, because he's been the fellow racer himself. Um, you know, but before, Swanee would kind of help facilitate things and, um, you know, fill people in on what he thinks we should do, what we shouldn't do. He was actually involved quite a bit with some of the testing I did last year and things like that. So that part was crucial, but then also the physical side of things, figuring out what is key and what isn't, and um, how to just train properly. You know, a lot of guys train, uh, every guy trains, but um, it's how to do it, you know, smarter, not harder type of way, um, which is something I kind of lacked in the past, was just having a lot of knowledge behind what we were doing instead of just doing it to do it. And, um uh, it's just everything, man. Everything that he comes with, you know, like once you get involved with this program, it, everything kind of changes because he's like, okay, well, we need to go do this, 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 and that. we got to get a fitness test, this and that, and kind of really figure out where we are. And then we finally come down to it and we uh, can fine-tune the program for each guy. And uh, we, I think he's done an awesome job, man. I'm, as like I said, really happy to be working with the guy and hopefully can continue to do it and, uh, you know, go win some races and share a lot of success.
2: For sure, the guy the guy knows his stuff, and he definitely it's it's it. The the proof is in the pudding when it comes to uh, the championships won, the, the and the way you guys have taken your your racing to the next level, and that goes for everybody on the on the on the team. And I think uh, he has a, a definitely a, a good hand in that. The the entire team does. Um, so, but, uh, the, the two of us would have been talking a little bit sooner, but, uh, you had to stop for a late lunch courtesy of, uh, of BC cafe. Tell me a little bit about that. That's a, a brand new, uh, kind of a supporter of the team, I suppose. Cause I noticed all of the, uh, the athletes on the team are, uh, are sporting that. Um, how does that work as, as I don't know if everybody knows, but, uh, um, like, Meal prep is a huge part of being an athlete, and a lot of times think, I don't know if you guys have a lot of time for, a lot of knowledge in, and if someone can take that out of your hands and allow you guys to get the right meals in your body on a consistent basis, then you can really be at your best.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really just convenience, uh, you know, to be honest. Uh, Will, who's the, the owner and the operator here of BC Fit Meals, came to us and uh, had an idea, and and him went back and forth with it. It's actually all a swanies guys that are on the the bc fit meal thing and um it's honestly been really awesome dude it's really great food it's easy to make obviously it comes pre-cooked you just heat it up and take off and uh it's just been great just because it was so easy you know it saves us a lot of time and effort going to the grocery store and then cooking and then preparing everything and a lot of guys are not very good at that at all some people enjoy it some are just not very good at it you know and that could be a lot of guys downfalls is uh, just the nutrition side um And just in the past few years, I've learned a lot about it, and I've came a long way from where I was a few years ago. But, um I- I'm proud of that, you know. So before, I felt like I was kind of getting it all together, and, you know, I've worked with a few guys before as far as on the nutrition side, and they helped me a lot. And then I was able to kind of apply it to all of this, and this just makes it so easy. And th- those guys do an awesome job and really great-tasting food, and they deliver right here to the gym, which is, you know, a, a mile away from my house. I go pick it up on Mondays and Wednesdays and, you know, I got food to eat all week. And then the weekends, you know, you kind of are on your own trying to figure it out, but, um, it's honestly really awesome. I'm glad we're doing it. It makes it easy for us. Um, we're eating just the right amount that we're supposed to. Uh, Tyler celiac, got on board with the BC fit meals and was helping him kind of do portion stuff, figuring out how much we need on what days and, uh, how much fats, how much carbs, like all this stuff. And, uh, They've been working together, and it's been awesome. Like I said, I'm really glad we're a part of the team, and it's been fun to work with them.
2: For sure. I don't think anybody quite understands how important that is, is getting the right fuel in uh, to and, and the right types of fuel, and because the, there's not like a, a – a diet that you can google for a pro motocross racer it doesn't exist so uh to have someone like tyler go in there and, and cater uh cater the meals for you guys and also just take that like meal prepping takes a long time if you if you want to do it right every every couple of days you got to set aside a couple of hours to get your protein cooked you got to get your rice or your your uh your starches cooked you got get your vegetables cooked and you also have to know how to cook these things that aren't going to be so repetitive that you're just bashing your head against the wall or you just start avoiding it all together and you start eating crap again so <clears throat> in my opinion this really kind of i wouldn't say take takes the uh um the challenge away but it just allows you guys to, th- uh, to have that one last thing to have to think about uh when you need some need some fuel uh you you, you go to the fridge pre-cooked heat it up boom here we go and uh, i think that's a huge uh, huge benefit for it. i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of racers are either doing that same program or something similar
0: No, definitely. I I think it's kind of changed the game as far as what we're trying to do, but also, too, just, you know, making it fine tuned to, to what it is because a lot of people can eat good and, um, you know, what I eat as opposed to what somebody else might eat could be completely two different things, you know, depending on your blood type, how your body reacts to it, um, what you actually need as fuel and, you know, where you actually burn fat when you work out and all the kind of stuff about it. So, um, that's what's been cool, you know, is getting it fine-tuned for everybody and making sure everybody's on the same page and, you know, we have everything that we need to allow us to go out and do our best each day. And that's really what it's all about is the consistency of doing stuff. You know, a lot of people can eat good for a few days or a week or whatever, then they're just like, ah, too much, I'm over it, you know. So um, this just makes it so much easier. You know, you never really have that. And it constantly gets switched up, too, so it's new food and um, new recipes, new everything. And, and I, I love it.
2: There you go man. I am glad to hear it. Now uh so before I let you go two things that we got to touch on uh and I'll, I'll save my favorite for last uh but not but not least whatsoever was uh your mentor Robbie Raynard, finally getting married uh over the off season. I think the last time we talked you were about to head off to it. How was uh going down to Mexico and celebrating the marriage of uh, uh of of Robbie and his wife uh this this past off season?
0: Oh man, that was awesome, man. To, uh, to go there and just to be there for Robbie and Ashley was, was a really big deal and I'm really glad I got to go. Um, I would have went regardless of what was going on. Um, you know, I would have just made time and went. Um, but because they've been such a big part of my life. You know, like I said, I trained with Robbie and Ashley was there the whole time, you know, for the whole 10 years and, um, they, they got a special place in my heart for sure. You know, I'll always see family and, um, I, it was just awesome there was such a good group of people down there a lot of my buddies that got to go they were associated with robbie and ashley and a lot of good friends family uh the whole nine and it was fun man we had such a good time such a good group of people and wish i could go back and relive it all but uh no i'm definitely glad i got to go i'm so happy for them that they got married and did their deal and uh it was just awesome times man i'm glad we got to do it all
2: there you go. And uh, was was all the, the meals and beverages uh, on that trip, were they all part of the uh, of the the Swannapool program?
0: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say not quite. Um, he, he sent me with a nice little training regimen to do when I was down there. So I was up early in the gym doing everything I could while everybody was at the beach having their little time. But uh, that's all right. That's how I preferred it. You know, I went there and still got the work done I needed to do. But, there was maybe a few after-hour drinks and food involved, but I mean, you gotta celebrate a wedding, right?
2: Absolutely, no. If if, if you can't enjoy the, uh, the 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 those types of moments in life, uh, then then you, you, you just that's 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 just not acceptable. But uh, so, you know, like, I, I'm glad you were able to do that, man, and uh, congratulations to uh, to Robbie and Ashley. They've been together for a long time, and they seem pretty awesome together. Um, How oh, awesome! Yeah, absolutely. Last uh, last thing that is on my mind, and something that I've watched uh, about three or four times since it came out, and it was only about a week or so ago, the premix two. Uh, video that came out you have an awesome segment along with uh, a couple of Kate uh, there's uh, Jordan Smith's in there uh, Alex Martin's in there and of course Davey millsaps and uh, and, and we and we will uh, reiterate that you did not get hurt on a two stroke it was a four stroke so four strokes suck um, yeah. tell me about jumping on the uh, the YZ 252 stroke ripping it up number 31 on your program number one in your hearts absolutely making that thing sing.
0: Oh, but yeah, that was a really fun day. I uh, actually commented on a story that Don had posted about a two-stroke that I'm pretty sure Will was writing at the time for his little segment in the movie. And, right. Um, you know, like, man, that'd be awesome, you know, or whatever. And he was like, would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, well, hell yeah, that'd be fun. so we set up a day, and I got to go out to follow with those guys, like you just mentioned. And uh, I hadn't rode a 252 stroke since probably 2000. 2000- Uh, maybe 10 2010 2011 and i only rode one before that one time so it was a cool experience to go ride with those guys and uh man that was so fun there's nothing like two strokes really I, i really wish that they would make more of a push to make a uh to make more 125s and make it more of a starter bike for these kids to make something a little more affordable and easy to ride obviously easier to work on uh easier to fix if it breaks and uh Things like that. So, I, I kind of wish they'd make more of a push for doing it. I, I think our sport needs it to grow. Um, I, I really do. But um, maybe that's a far-fetched idea. But and I, I love riding two strokes, they're so much fun. And uh, I hope we can get one and maybe start riding a little bit more every now and then and get the video camera out and make some cool footage.
2: Absolutely, it did cut. It, the thing turned out great? Uh, it, it was uh, you're throwing the knack knacks out there. I, I don't. I hadn't seen uh, Davy Millsaps do a heel clicker since he was on '80s. I, I'm like, does he still remember how? And uh, you guys <laughs> look like you were having a ton of fun. I'm glad to hear that uh, uh, MX Sports has uh, has integrated the 125 Dream Race into every single outdoor national for 2018. I'm excited about that, and I think that is going to kind of um, re-energize the two-stroke market a little bit. Maybe uh, some other manufacturers get back in that game. Uh, like, uh, like it. It seems like, oh yeah, no one's going to go back to the the two-strokes, but well when four strokes came out, not everyone had a four stroke and they all had to get back into that game. So, uh, I think it would be really cool. And, uh, I think that 125 dream race is a great stepping stone in the right direction.
1: Yeah. I actually
0: wasn't aware of that. That's really awesome. I I didn't know they were doing that every round. So that's really cool. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there, none of the sport itself at the top of supercross, I feel like it's going to go backwards into two strokes. I mean, that could happen. I know, but I just really think it's Important for, you know, young kids that are going from super minis to straight to four strokes pretty much on a 250F. That's a lot of bike for, you know, a kid that's 14 or 15 years old. So, um, to have a 125 as an option to go to, I think is pretty important. And, uh, that, that's why I think it's more crucial than anything, you know, and it's a lot more affordable than going out and buying a, an expensive four stroke. So, um, that, that's kind of why I hope they come back into play for just mainly for that reason. But, um, that's an awesome deal though. If they're getting more involved with the outdoors and giving kids an opportunity to go race these bikes at the stage that we're all racing. At. I think that's pretty awesome.
2: For sure. I, I totally agree. And, uh, I think I did a podcast earlier. Where we were talking about the exact same thing. I think everyone is in agreement that, uh, a, a more affordable way to go racing, um, can just get people kickstarted into it. The, the reality is right now, if you want to get a, a brand new 250 F to go racing with for the very first time, uh, like, Gear, bike, the whole nine yards into it, you're well over $10,000 before you even, uh, start, right, start racing. Whereas, uh, getting yourself into, uh, even a modern two-stroke, a gently used two-stroke, um, and riding gear, you're, you're, you're less than half of that. And, and you can have a pretty potent machine and it's fun and it sounds good and smells good. So, uh, um, I would love to see more of that and we'll see if that happens in the future. But, uh, your segment was awesome, man. You must have had a lot of fun riding that thing.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, man. It, it was so much fun just getting out there and just to have a day to not just go out and pound motos all day at the track. You know, we got to go have a lot of fun and go try to blow up some berms and, um, you know, just have fun. I think it's needed uh, more times than not, you know, when people get a little burnt out on just doing lap after lap after lap. So to switch it up a little bit and go ride a completely different bike, a different machine with a really cool sound to it, was uh, it was a blast, man. I hope we can do it all again. And Don and all those guys that were out filming, they did such an awesome – awesome job with that movie, all the trans world guys. So uh, hopefully I'll be in the next one, man. I'm, I'm hoping that comes back around and we can do it again next year.
2: No doubt. Well, uh, and, and hopefully next year you'll have an even lower number on it, uh, on it this year, because honestly, I think the first time we saw you with the 31 was, uh, was on a two stroke.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Honestly, that was right around the time when the number stuff was changing and I didn't even know my number. So I was like, yeah, Don, I, I wish I could tell you, but I don't really know what my number is. So, and then he kind of figured it out before I did. So, I think that was the first time I have seen a thirty one on my bike, and uh, it was pretty cool to look at. I'm not going to lie; I don't mind the thirty one. I think it looks good.
2: Yeah, thirty one strong, man. Key, it, and uh, what I like is it is dropping every single year. Um, if like, and I, I do believe that there's going to be a time when uh, you do get a the, the top ten in po- your, your top ten overall in points for the end of the year. And when that day comes, what number do you think that you'll uh, you'll choose uh, going forward? If you have the opportunity to p- to pick a permanent number, what will you choose?
0: That is honestly a good question. I I, I don't know. Um, I think it really more or less depends on what's open. Because, like, next year, a lot of numbers open up. There could be seven and five and, you know, all these single-digit numbers that are open. And um, it really just depends on timing and and what's there, what's available. But, um, man, that would be awesome to have a number like that that so many great people have ran, you know, whether it be seven and kind of try to do the whole thing behind James Stewart or five, trying to follow in Dungy's lead or whatever the case may be. But, uh, I mean, who knows? I might go wild and go back to the sixty-nine and make it a permanent and just call it good. So (laughs) I don't really know. Um, I'm hoping I can do that next year and we get in a position where I do get to pick. But, uh, yeah, we'll see on this.
2: No doubt. Does anyone have eight yet? I don't think
0: so because I think Osborne was going to take it this year. He was going back and. between eight and 16 and he ended up sticking with 16
2: so okay fair enough well i, I think some someone needs to take eight at some point uh, that number has been gone dormant way too long but uh, and I, like I, I, yeah someone's got to take seven eventually uh, I, like i don't i don't think it, its current owner is coming back anytime soon although we'd love to see the guy ride a dirt bike uh, even if it was just at his house um, but yeah like uh like Cole, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We wish you the best of luck with your recovery, and uh, um, how like based on how you feel and how what you've been hearing from some of your uh, uh, like the, the people around you, when do you think that you'll be able to get back on a motorcycle? Probably second week January, I imagine.
0: Yeah, that's the idea. Uh, that, that's pretty much what we're shooting for. Uh, I think after Anaheim one, we'll be back into like full training mode where I can do essentially everything I could before I got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's just the idea, because right now it's kind of smaller stuff with the upper body. The lower body, we're still doing everything we were before, you know, so I don't really feel like I should lose much fitness or anything like that. But, um, yeah, that's the idea. Maybe around Houston, Supercross, we can try to do some riding sometime in that era right there. And, uh, yeah, just come back as soon as we can and get things moving for Dallas
2: fair enough well ho- hopefully uh it's it's smooth transition for you and uh the hard there's the, the the hardware it's uh, there's hardware in your arm i imagine correct yeah yeah rod and a uh, few screws Fair enough. So hopefully that doesn't give you any issues. I know that uh, Jake Weimer had some issues with that, and I actually kind of kept him down for a bit. That's why he didn't end up riding outdoors, was he, he was getting all that stuff removed. So hopefully that's not an issue for you whatsoever. But uh, yeah, man, I, like uh, it's a bummer that we won't see you uh, on the West Coast, but uh, that just means that you'll be just that little bit more polished come, uh, co- come Dallas. And uh, look out, the 31 machine's coming.
0: No doubt, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, as always, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon.
2: Awesome, man. Absolutely. We'll, we'll chat, and I'm sure I will see you in uh, in California, as I will be there in two weeks from now, and you'll be uh, scribbling on posters and talking about how uh, you're looking forward to, to Dallas.
0: <laughs> Most certainly, man. We'll be there.
2: All right. Cool, man. Well, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Sounds good. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. these, amigos. that's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit
3: listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show.
2: Hey, Big MX listeners, it's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungy, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing products. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did, and head to P-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A dot com today. W-U-S-A. All things wheels. Hey, big MX fans, thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. Traction MX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha. KTM, you name it, these guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American. And uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to tractionmx.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to the and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, ten packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only fifty nine ninety nine. Viral brand products are available in the US, Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the Viral Brand. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing Viral Brand Goggles and FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line goes by the name of Swanee Gareth Swannapool. How are you, my friend?
3: Good, thanks. How are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing great, man. I've spent my entire day calling uh, nine, 909 and 951 area codes, so that means uh, <laughs> Supercross must be right around the corner.
3: Yep, yep. We, uh, she's less than uh, three weeks away, so uh, yeah, basically basically three Saturdays away from, from racing.
2: 18 days away from Anaheim 1. The gate will drop, and uh, you've got a number of athletes that you've been working with who will be in full swing for that that event. Uh, and we'll, we'll wait for a press release from uh, Star Racing Yamaha uh, as to who those athletes will be. But uh, I'm really excited to talk to you, my friend, because you are the one who tunes some of these athletes. We've talked to some of the, 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 the mechanics in the past that tune these great bikes, but you tune the athletes that we watch on Saturday nights. Um, but before we get to talking about, uh, your background within athletics, what's your background with, uh, with motorcycles, obviously you're, uh, an accomplished professional of your own right.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm originally from South Africa and, uh, you know, I started racing dirt bikes when I was four years old and then, uh, turned professional when I was 15, uh, left, left South Africa and went to race, uh, you know, in Europe. And uh, you know, first couple of years in Europe I raced uh you know, Grand Prix here and there, but, you know, primarily focused just on uh the German championships and Belgian championships, all that kind of stuff, European championships and uh ended up winning some I won to you know, uh two fifty and four fifty German title and then turned over to full time Grand Prix when I was eighteen and uh yeah, I raced Grand Prix until I was about yeah, I reached Grand Prix from 2003 until 2010 and then I came over to America in 2011 and, and, uh, rode, you know, 2011, 2012 for Star Yamaha. And yeah, that's pretty much, uh, yeah.
2: There you okay. go. A long career, uh two strokes, four strokes, you name it, uh starting at a super young age, uh existing over in the uh over in, in Europe during a very exciting time when uh there's a lot of uh like current races that were uh earning their stripes and some legends were wrapping up some some illustrious careers. Um, you are a well traveled young man.
3: Yeah, no, it's just it's just been great actually. You know, it's been really, really Looking back at it, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a, an amazing journey. You know, what the sport has brought to me has been, uh, you know, my life has been, been very, very good. And, you know, just, um, you know, as you say that, I was thinking about, you know, when I raced my first year, full-time Grand Prix, you know, I was racing against guys still like Coyote, Stefan Evans, um, you know, myself and like my guys like Antonio Caroli were just young guys coming through. Uh, you know, there were so many of us that, Still, some of them are still going now. And, uh, you know, we were, I, I was 18 years old lining up against, you know, 31, 32-year-old guys that I really wanted. I mean, Andre Bartolini was, you know, multiple world yeah. champion. Um, Chiodi was multiple world champion. Um, yeah, we had so many good guys that we were racing against in those days, and uh, I was just very, very fortunate to race against all those guys. Um, you know, myself, Racko, Townley, Uh, you know, we were all just young pups getting, getting in the mix. Um, yeah, and it's been, it's been fantastic.
2: No doubt. So you, you're a couple, are you a couple of years older than Grant or younger than Grant?
3: Uh, I'm a couple years younger than Grant. So Grant was, I think it was two years, uh, older than me. And, uh, yeah, so I actually, funny enough, um, Grant and I were actually teammates in South Africa on eighty on fives. Uh well eighties back in those days, we were team green and, and uh I was uh he was the the, the older guy and I was the younger kid, so I was eleven years old and he was thirteen and uh he uh between the both of us we he won pretty much every national except for one and I won that one. So we, we kept it undefeated so it was pretty pretty good. But yeah, um it's quite crazy looking back from where we all started to where we've ended up, you know.
2: And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You guys could be both found uh, on, the, on the podium throughout that particular year, representing for the green guys. Uh, and now you, uh, the both of you can sort of be found at the, the W uh, training facility. I, I guess you'd probably be easier to be found there than Grant these days.
3: Yeah, yeah, Grant is... <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely fully retired. And, um, yeah, but he's still... You can still catch him there in a the day. And, uh, you know, him and uh, another South African, Johnny Louch, they are, you know, Johnny's the, the main owner and, and, and Grant's part owner of, of the W. And they've just created this amazing uh, training facility that's, uh, you know, houses, you know, all the top motocross guys. And I'm fortunate enough to, to use the facility to train my guys there. And uh, it's just it's just actually, it's really cool.
2: Absolutely. Now let's dive into uh, your, your your background in athletics a little bit. And of course, that that translate that, that uh, crosses over from your professional career and the training that went on with that. Um, what where did you start? Uh, kind of a passion for being able to retain the information needed to to train an athlete. Did you uh, like? Uh, obviously, you were training as, on your own, but uh, like. Like through some trial and error, or were you could you kind of find uh, what worked for you, and then how did you kind of start to uncover uh, different methods, different ideologies, and different strategies to uh, to create the athletes?
3: Well, basically, so you know, when I was
2: my my uh,
3: one of my biggest downfalls with racing was I used to I used to um, question a lot of things, you know. So I was not one of those guys that you could just say. Do this, do that, and I would just do it. You know, I always wanted to know why. Why are we doing this? Uh, For what we know, why do I have to do that? What is that going to benefit me? Uh, You know, and so, you know, I always question things which, you know, when you're racing, it's not the the best thing to do, but it's it's really helped me in the long run as far as a trainer. And I was very fortunate to train with um, a lot of older guys uh, Joel Smith and Josh Coppins and all those kind of guys were. You know, we learned a lot from those guys when we were growing up, uh, training over in Europe. And in Europe, the scientific side of training was very, very high. And then I had a trainer that I trained with for many years over there. And through all that kind of stuff, you know, I learned a lot of things. And then once I got older, I did a lot of training by myself. And I actually went to a point through through too much training and I had a bit of problems with my knees and a bit of problems with my body with all the injuries and that kind of stuff. And that, you know, forced me to really start to look at training a little bit differently instead of just going out and pounding or out, you know, I used to be limited and, and, you know, I used to think, okay, you know, there's no point in in just going out and training to train, you know, let's let's make it really specific. Let me get the most out of the time and um, not be so hard on my body. And, you know, then I started studying things, um, and started really, really just trying to focus on the main things that are going to make me better and, and, you know, get rid of the things that you're just doing to do. And, you know, I actually started writing better and better and getting, my fitness got better and better and, and I was doing less. And, um, you know, so through that, I, I ended up, um, you know, learning a lot and learning, you know, through trial and error and that kind of stuff of what to do and what not to do and to try, you know, prolong my career towards the end and and still be really in good shape. And uh, through that, I, I managed to figure out, like, okay, you know, these are the things that really will work for motocross rider and the rest of it, you know, to kind of avoid.
2: For sure. And like, obviously, uh, in, a, in a long career like that, you were going to learn a lot of things through, uh, like just trying different things and finding out what works for you. Um, but you've worked with a lot of different athletes with a lot of different body types and uh, a lot of different physical attributes. Um, how do you tailor, uh, their program to those specific athletes while still keeping it a group and, and, and uh, allowing these riders to, uh, to grow within a competitive atmosphere?
3: Well, basically what I do is from now, like, I get each rider tested. I, I have a guy that I do different kind of testing with. So we get each rider tested and, and we can see, you know, okay, this is what, you know, this is the kind of shape this rider's in, this is the kind of shape that rider's in. And then basically the, the, the group kind of stuff I do is more like gym stuff, uh, which even that I tailor gym stuff do group and then any kind of low intensity endurance kind of base kind of stuff you know I can do in a group atmosphere when it gets a little bit more intense and stuff like that I will either group guys slightly differently so what I'll do is like I'll be it's a lot more work for myself but i'll I'll even do sometimes two separate bike rides a day with you know one one group that we're gonna do this kind of thing and another group' we're gonna do that kind of thing or If a is, you know, on a completely different plan, then I'll, you know, have a a separate, I'll do something completely separate. So it makes it tough on me because obviously it would be a lot easier to just group everybody together and have them all do the same thing. But as you know, not everybody's the same. So it's, um, yeah, and then basically what I do is I use different training programs and that kind of thing, which allow me to tailor and to see what effect each training's having on each person. So, you know, a, a two-hour bike ride might have a different effect to one athlete to another athlete. And these programs allow you to see, okay, that was that much strain on that guy's body and that was a little bit less strain on his body so he can go a little harder tomorrow and he needs to recover more tomorrow. So it allows me to, you know, not not so much, The week by, not, not just, not so much day by day, but after you accumulate enough information, it starts to really allow you to tailor the programs and, and, uh, you know, basically weekly and monthly, you can start to really start to, okay, you know, this guy can handle, tolerate that amount of training and that one can only tolerate that amount. And the beauty of it is, you know, motocross is so skill based that all you've got to make sure is the training that, that they're doing off the bike is benefiting them. And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't cross over. It doesn't mean that kid cycled up the mountain at that pace and that one was five minutes slower. That means the one that was faster on the bicycle is going to win on the weekend on the motocross bike. But if him going five minutes faster up the mountain was what he needed to do to enhance his fitness, and the kid that was five minutes slower still worked hard enough to enhance his fitness. By the time they get, you know, on the dirt bike on the weekend, they're going to be, you know, on a level playing field, really.
2: Yeah, it's not so much, uh, who can, who can do the fastest, uh, um uh, like, Trip around on a specific specific circuit on Strava. It's uh, like uh, as long as that person is putting out uh, the maximum effort, uh, then the, the steps are being made uh, to go forth. And the, yeah, like, we're, you're, like as far as uh, like the, the specific time, like um, like. Let's be honest, Aaron Plessinger, say if we're in, in, in running, uh, Aaron Plessinger's going to run a faster mile than Jeremy uh, Alex Martin just for the fact that uh, Alec got those little legs of his and uh, Aaron's got a little bit longer stride, to be honest.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. Like, so basically you just got two guys that are completely different. And, yeah, so basically it just means you you just need to – Whatever that person is, or whatever fitness fitness level they're at, it's just you got to be enhanced in their fitness, and that's that's the biggest thing. And and you know, it it really, unfortunately, it's not as easy as as just like okay, the stronger they are on a bicycle or running, they're gonna win races. It's, you know, it's not that that simple. So you know, and that's why also with myself, the the you know, I focus so much on, on off the bike training, obviously. But then on the bike train is also what I focus on too. And 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 you know when when the riders get to to working with me, I'm not necessarily trying to teach them how to ride at that point. You know, it's just basically I'm trying to you know work on little techniques here and there that allow them to go, you know, fast but very efficient. So I'm trying to I'm trying to build their fitness off the bike, and then I'm trying to work with them on the bike as they're going faster and using less energy so you know basically if you get that right you build their fitness that they're extremely fit and then they're riding at a high speed without using much energy to go as fast as that is you know so if you can get that right then you you have the perfect motocross athlete
2: well there you go and i i assume that a lot of the data that you're collecting is off of uh uh, like a um a heart rate monitor where it monitors more than a few different things. Uh, what do you what like what, what do you get from those numbers and how how do the, how do you kind of read the tea leaves that way?
3: Yeah, so we we're lucky enough we 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 use Polar heart rate monitors and basically what we do is so you know you 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 get the boys' numbers at first, so you go they get they you test them and then you can see okay what their threshold is at. Uh, you know, so thresholds basically the heart rate area where your body stops being able to get rid of lactic acid and you know starts accumulating lactic acid, and that's basically when your when your days are numbered. So you know you 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 do you do all these kind of tests, you get their numbers, and then when they're doing a specific exercise, and you can see okay they were at a certain heart rate for a certain time. Then you look at okay where their fitness level is at, and and you get a score for what that training did for that athlete, and you know so that way you can start to see okay, uh, Aaron Plessinger, he did a, a a twenty lap motor, and you know Cooper Webb did a twenty lap motor, and Cooper Webb's heart rate was you know can be higher than Aaron Plessinger's heart rate was so that 20-lap motor put more stress on, on Cooper's body than it did on Aaron's. So then, you right. know, Aaron can can go harder tomorrow where Cooper needs to go a little bit, you know, or we're going to have to let Cooper or really recover at a later stage a bit more than Aaron or need to recover. And, you know, that's basically how you can see. And then also, you can see all of a sudden, you know, they're not getting their heart rates as high as they, they usually do You know, is that because they're tired? Is that because they're sick, Going to get sick? Uh, You know, if there's any kind of irregularity to what they're normally at. Um, You know, if if you have a rider that's not very fit and his heart rates are coming down, that's a good sign. But if you have a rider that is very fit and all of a sudden his heart rates aren't going up anymore, that's that's a bad sign. So, you know, we kind of just, um, it allows you to really make sure that they're doing the right amounts at the right times.
2: Uh, one of the things that I was curious to ask you is is the fact that uh, a lot of these riders, um, like some of, with the training facilities that exist now, uh, some of them are doing some work off, off the bike. Uh, some of them are working in the gym a little bit. A lot of them are doing a lot of road biking. Um, but I found, what I found with a lot of motocross racers is that they're not exactly um, – like, well versed in, uh, just going to the gym in general, how to move like an athlete off of a motorcycle. Um, like, is it, uh, does it sometimes shock you how, how, uh, how much of you're actually teaching the movements more than you're, uh, than sometimes you're teaching, uh, just the exercises in general?
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. Like, that's, that's definitely what I think lacks in, uh, in America is, you know, like, you know, anywhere else in Europe and stuff like that or, you know, even in South Africa, you know, we grow up training and training in the gym and learning things from a very young age how to do correctly. And, you know, I'll get a, a, a rider that's 17 years old that can be so fast on a bike and, you know, is winning, winning Loretta Lynch championships and a whole lot and has no idea how to do a deadlift or has no idea how to do a fence over row or has no idea... What side raises on shoulder side raises and you're just like well where have you been you know like
4: <laughs> yeah. how,
3: how, how have you got to this level and you can't even do these things and uh, so I think that's a little bit what lacks in the sport in general in in, in America it's, you know but they make up for it as far as you know the training facility as far as on the dirt bike and stuff and the skills that they learn from the young age on the dirt bike it's you know, I suppose they make up for it, and that's what they focus on. And as long as you get them early enough, as long as they come to me at an early enough stage, you know, it's within, you know, a few, a few weeks I've learned how to do everything in the gym, you know.
2: For sure, no, I, it always blows my mind when I see video of guys in the gym or uh, like like there has been a ton of videos that get released of, of, of showing the training that guys do and just like the the awkward body movements that you see motocross makers make or just they just like they move through space really awkwardly i I, I can't quite explain it, but then the, you put them on a motorcycle and everything clicks for them. I guess this is the familiarity, but uh it's like, like a lot of stick and ball sports in in uh in north america is like the the gym is almost what you you hit first before you even pick up a ball or 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 a hockey stick or something like that like you, you see a lot of uh professional athletes at the hockey level that uh they probably st- they probably do a squat as as good as they stick handle and that always blows me away but with motocross it's it's they, it's a very learned thing they're like the training part is something that uh, almost seems to come afterwards which is a little backwards to me um and yeah I think that's yeah. one of the things that oh go ahead
3: yeah, I think, I, think that's, I think that's definitely the new generation of motocross riders, you know, because, you know, the older generation, they would have all gone to school and all played school sports and, you know, had all, you know, like you say, you know, they played some, you know, soccer at school and then, and they've been training, you know, been taught how to do things in the gym through soccer or football or whatever sport they played at school. And you know, where now kids have been homeschooled from from ten years old, you know, so they don't even play any other sports, and they just basically are brought up to ride a dirt bike. So, you know, you're 100 percent right. It's, it's it's definitely changed, and I think you know the generation. Like I say when when I you know I was doing all kind of training and gym training and stuff like that when I was 13 years old, and I played soccer and all these kind of sports at school. And all that kind of stuff. And you learn all these things and running drills and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, then you have a motocross rider who can go so fast on a dirt bike and you show showing them the gym and Germans like this looks awkward as anything. And I think it's because they haven't done anything but ridden dirt bikes, you know.
2: Yeah, totally. I'd be interested to know the percentage of, uh, of guys within a main event that could throw a football with a spiral on it. But uh, that, I guess uh, – well, uh, thanks, thanks to you, more guys than ever uh, are able to, to do like, just your, your basic body movements within the gym. And I think that's kind of come uh, to fruition and, and shown itself in spades in seeing uh, like uh, guys that have been able to work with you for a longer period of time. Uh, like some of the guys you've only been able to work with for uh, one year or a shorter period of time is – less evident, but guys like Aaron Plessinger, guys like Cooper Webb, guys like uh, Jeremy Martin who bought into your program, used it, used it as, as well as they possibly could, and you really see the benefits of being in that program for a long period of time, and I think that's what we're going to see from Aaron Plessinger this year. That long of a, of a, a duration, working with you, really allowing him to uh, like be comfortable with you, you comfortable with him, and uh, athletically, I think he's probably in the best place he's ever been.
3: Yeah, no exactly. So guys like uh, you know, Cooper and, and, and Aaron have been with me the longest and and then uh you know, it's like you, you know, you can see even I started working with Colt Nichols last year and it it just takes a while, you know, like how he was in the off season last year to so how he is in the off season this year is like night nice and day different. And, you know, Aaron and those kind of guys like placing during that, you know, he's just you know, we've been we've been doing this for a while now, and and this will be you know our fourth year together, and and I think you know it's just it's 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 nice because you do you know I I know him so well, I know his body well, you know he knows me well, you know Cooper's the same, and and we just we just really gel very well, and uh, it's hard to do like you say when you have a guy for a year and then you don't have him afterwards. It's it's hard because really. The, the the fitness and the, you know everything takes a while to build so you know you only start to see the benefit of an off season training by the time you get to the next off season you can see how much better they were, you know, and then the following off season how much better they were and like it's 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 incredible how long it takes, you know.
2: For sure. Like I, I kind of uh I, I, I have, honestly I have to chuckle a little bit when I see uh like just so many posts about uh, like who's getting in shape, who's who's like grinding through the off season to make a huge difference. When in reality, uh, the the benefit of a lot of these uh, the off season training, like with all the races that these guys end up doing in the off season, um, the benefits that they're able to cultivate in a short period of time, like honestly, are, are have to, like they they would have to be accumulative over a number of years because. Um, the The off season in motocross is the equivalent of a sixty day challenge, basically. Like, uh, That's what I mean. get off the exactly. motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. You, you just hammer down. Uh, get your food in hundred percent. Like, uh, s- stop eating uh, uh, airport food. Stop flying every ten minutes, uh, and actually just focus on training. And then, yeah, you're gonna like you, you'll look a little bit more toned up. But um, the the reality of it is, it's a very short period of time, and it's not. It's not. You can't make that much of a bigger difference in that short of time.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was just looking today. You know, Cooper. We've had a had a fitness test on Monday, and you know, it's just uh, I have a breakdown of all his tests, and you know, we've had so many different tests now, and it's just you know, it's taken us so long to get him to where he's at, and it's just like. You can still see, like, with him being tested so often and stuff like that, you can see, like, when he was, you know, tired, when he had some kind of injury, when he's been feeling really good, uh, you know, how this training reacted, his body reacted to this kind of training, that kind of training. And we only have all of that, and it allows me to train him better and better because I've been with him for a long time and I can, I have so much data from him. But, you know, it's, it, yeah. You, it's been, you know, over four years that we can now yeah. look back at different tests and be like, okay, you know, he was at this specific weight, he was this age, we had done that amount of training, now we've done this amount of training, he's this weight, he's this old, um, you know, it's just, it just it takes so, you need so much data and the more data you get, the better you can train that person but you have to be with them for a long time to collect the data you need to train them correctly. So, it's it's a catch twenty two really but it, it 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 takes a long time and and uh that's why you know it's um you know these these guys that you know motocross also has a, a bit of a a stigma or not a really stigma but a bit of a like a false um you know thinking where they're like you know they don't want these kids to be in the gym at 13 years old or be riding a road bike at 13 years old or be, you know, doing the the kind of work they do when they're 18, when they're young. But it's like, but then they expect, they have such a short career when they're 18. You know, they have, you know, less than a 10-year career to to do what is expected out of them. But then, you know, really you should, you know, pro cyclists and stuff, you know, they, they, they start putting in, 20, 30 hours a week when they're 16 years old, you know? And yeah. uh, but, but we're like, oh, you know, we don't want him to be burnt out. You know, when he turns pro, we want him to train And he's like, well, might be too late at that point, you know?
2: Absolutely. And another thing is if they're not used to training as a young athlete, all right, cool, like I was super fast, I was winning all these races as, as an amateur, and now I get to the pro class and you say, now I have to start training? Like I think that's how you'd get burnt out is that you, you'd all of a sudden you'd never seen a workload like that in your life. Everything was just twist the throttle and you'll win the races. And then now uh, it's a a harsh reality that you, you have to uh, nose down uh, ass up and, uh, and just grind, grind away at your fitness because that's not what you've been working on for the last uh, X number of years. And I think that's uh, uh, one of those things that, uh, that definitely doesn't do the riders a service.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, they, they don't really have to train with the amateur racing being, you know, four laps or six laps long or however long and other such short races. And then they go and they race Loretta Lins, which is, you know, 20-minute moto on a very rough track in extremely hot conditions. And then they do, you know, what I think is backwards is they don't train all year. Then all of a sudden Loretta Lins is coming up. It's six weeks away. Then they all start training hard. And they get to Loretta Lins and you know, where it's like, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, train really hard a year before Loretta Lins? And then, really? you know, six weeks before Loretta Lins is kind of when you're backing it off. You know?
2: <laughs> exactly. You know? That's when you, you've peaked, you're in awesome yep. condition, you Strip down the body fat your vo2 max is through the roof you've got lungs like a lion and you just roll in there ready to go whereas yeah these guys they they they, they finish their six week challenge getting super ripped and awesome uh for for loretta's and then they go out into the tennessee heat and expire
3: exactly exactly so it is yeah it is it is uh <laughs> a little bit backwards to me but uh yeah that's just just how it is i suppose
2: for sure, and you, you you do an awesome job once they do get to you, and and one of the part of the things that I wanted to chat about uh, before I let you go is uh, is nutrition, because uh, you you can't out train a bad diet, and, uh, and 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 that goes goes for whether you want to uh, lose a few pounds uh, as a as you're just a regular person, uh, a weekend warrior, or if you're a professional athlete like the ones that you work with, and and I think that's why you have uh, all of your athletes um, talking to. Uh, BC Cafe, a, a meal prep uh, company uh, that is allowing your athletes to get the proper nutrition, what they need to 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 get the 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 vitamins and nutrients needed to be a professional athlete. Because I don't know if you know this, Gareth, but you can't go on the on uh, Google and uh, find out what a uh, professional motocross r- racers should be eating. It needs to be tailored.
3: Yeah. So basically, that's that's something where. You know, this year I've changed the way I've looked at it because every year, you know, I'm, I I sit down with the boys, I get in their diets, I, uh, you know, I literally beg and plead and threaten and do whatever I need to to try to get them to stick to the diet, but I'm not with them 24-7. You know, I wish I could be with them and just slap them on the ear if they want to not eat properly, but, I'm not with them, so it's kind of hard. So basically, I was very lucky enough to, to team up with BC Fit Cafe and a good friend of mine, Tyler Klesiak, who's actually, you know, a nutritionist. And through that, what I did is, um I, I, I got obviously BC Fit who supplies the boys their meals, so there's no excuse of, oh well, you know, I couldn't eat eat I I didn't have time to get this or I didn't wasn't able to do that or whatever. So Or I'm not you good know, at cooking. Yes, I don't want to cook or, you know, whatever the story is. I mean you do not believe the stories you hear while they couldn't get something good to eat. But, you know, you hear these stories. So BC Fit, you know, they they prep the meals, they um take the meals to the W training, boys pick it up, they have, you know, all their meals c- you know, catered for and then I, you know, I went to Next Step and, and got Tyler Klezek involved, which basically, again, what I do is with my fitness test, I can see when a rider is at a specific heart rate, you know, what, how much protein, how much carbs, uh, you know, how much fat he's utilizing. And then with Tyler, I show, them, show him the test, so he's got all the numbers, then I show him previous training logs from them so he can see, okay, when they are riding the dirt bike, what kind of zone they're in, then look at the test. Okay, so if that rider burnt that amount of, you know, whatever it was, um, and, you know, that amount of carbs, that amount of protein, that amount of fat, and then we tailor it even more. So then I'll break down, okay, this is the boy's next three weeks of training, and then he with BC first. Well, supply, so like, you know, for example, one day they'll be, it'll be high intense day and they need more carbs and the next day is a recovery day, they need less carbs. So he then tailors the meals that they're getting the right amount of carbs and proteins and fats according to the training they're going to be doing.
2: For sure. You're, you're, uh, you're giving them race fuel, man, and you're controlling what that fuel, uh, is. And I, I think, uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna race like an athlete, you gotta fuel like an athlete. The, and like, like the race fuel is expensive, uh, but eating well is, is, uh, is, is expensive, but it, it honestly gives you just as much uh, benefit as putting race fuel in the motorcycle, and that's what allows these guys to get that maximum amount out of their workouts. Because if you're not getting the right amount of fats in, if you're not getting the right amount of proteins in, your body will will just it, it'll it'll stand still. Like if, if you're if say if you're you're say you want to lose weight and you're just not eating, um, and you're training like crazy, your body will basically uh react to that is like all right well you're not giving me any nutrients so i'm just gonna hold on to everything that i got because including this fat here in fact i'm gonna keep that because it's the easiest thing to keep um and i'm not gonna lose fat for you i'm actually gonna burn your muscles off and and that's another reason why guys uh have a hard time um with with the training regimen because they actually although they might have lost some weight uh they're also they're they're weaker than they ever were
3: yeah exactly and like i try to explain to the boys too same thing as as how you said it you know it's like you know the 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 more finely tuned the training is and the more training you do the better your your food needs to be and it's the same as like a dirt bike you know if you just running a stock standard dirt bike you can put pump, pump gas in it you know but the more you tune the bike the more important the fuel is and and it's the same as training you know if you you're just a weekend guy, and you and you want to ride every now and then, and you're not really phased, It's not eating a little bit healthier. is not going to make your performance better. But you know, as soon as you start training and you start putting in the work, that's when you start to have to fill your body with better and better stuff, and and then it you know it ends up your performance is that much greater once you're training correctly and eating correctly
2: absolutely man well uh, we we've basically hit all uh, all sides of the fitness uh um, side of things other than rest. Where do you stand on uh, like the the rest side of things? Where what do these guys need to be doing to maximize uh, their their rest and recovery every single week? Because uh, getting on airplanes the way pro motocross racers do is absolutely absurd, based on how what kind of output they put on, and uh, the fact that flying through the the air in a big uh, in in the in a big aluminum uh, steel tube isn't exactly uh, um, doesn't doesn't do the body well.
3: Yeah, so, so again, basically, um, you know, just, again, just supplements are a huge part of, of helping recovery. You know, we, we use Rhino Power supplements. So, you know, making sure you're taking your amino acids, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff really helps with recovery. Um, doing a lot of recovery training where, you know, it seems tedious, but actually, you know, doing spins after riding, making sure you're stretching out after riding, uh, making sure, uh, you know, you're doing, anything to to help your body recover better some yoga that kind of stuff um, and then sleep is a huge thing you know uh, you know getting to bed early make sure you're sleeping good uh, that kind of stuff and then you know that that's another thing people people you know don't you know realize is is you know your body training it doesn't make you fitter. It's, it's, it's how your body reacts from the training is what makes you fitter. And the only way your body can react from training is by letting it recover from what it's done. And, you know, so that's that's a huge part. It's like train hard, but the only way, the, the actual training that you did doesn't make you fitter is how your body reacted from that training. Uh, and the only way your body can react from the training is if it recovers from it. So, you know, it's a huge part of it. And, you know, that's why uh, I also do a lot of uh, periodization training, which is, you know, blocks of training which you kind of do certain things for a certain amount of time and then you back it off so the body can recover from that. And, you know, if you've done a, a, a periodized training schedule, then you allow the guys to go into the racing season um, tapered instead of, you know, and, and recovered from actual training. And if if they're not recovered from the off-season training, like they should be, then that's when they're going to struggle with, you know, the travel and all the stuff that you know grinds on them for throughout the year.
2: For sure, and that's also going to allow the body to to adapt and, and uh, exactly. tra- changing up uh, the 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 fitness regimen is basically what that that's what cre- like stimulates the body to make those changes and uh, and move forward uh, in, in a better capacity. I think you've got. Um, a, a great background in this and you've got all, you're, you're saying all the right things, man. This is, this is, uh, I, I, I knew I'd, I'd get uh, some great information out of you. Uh, last thing that I wanted to talk about before letting you go um, is, is the, the, st- the state of, uh, of performance enhancing drugs within the sport of motocross. Uh, do you feel like, uh, do you think that it's present? Do you think that maybe it was present at one time and it no longer is? Uh, basically, what's your overview on that particular topic?
3: It's, um, it's a tough one, you know. I The funny thing is, you know, throughout my career, you know, obviously I've been tested a lot myself uh, in Europe and stuff like that. And, you know, I've trained with so many different riders and different trainers and stuff like that. And I've never even seen it in our sports, you know. Um, I've only heard rumors like everybody else does and, you know, uh, people saying, oh, well, this, the, you know, this guy's, you know, these guys, um you know, I'll, I'll say it, you know, everybody likes to blame Alden's guys. And, right. but that's just because they win. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah, you know, so I, I, I'd never heard of, I've never seen it myself. um And like I said, I've trained with lots of different riders and it's never been like something where like anything's ever been discussed. Um And then, uh you know, what happened with myself and Cooper Webb, you know, he came out, you know, came from nowhere. We are doing extremely well. He was winning. And then, you know, people said he got tested. And then rumors were out that he had tested positive. And I was just like, yeah, but how? Like, how is that even possible? You know, like, it's, it's, it's you know, and, and then we, that's how I realized, like, hey, a lot of it in our sports is just people pointing fingers at guys that are winning and saying, well, you know, how can they, they be winning? They've got to be cheating. And, you know, it's, it, it, it ended up his test wasn't positive. It was just a spread rumor about it who. And, you know, so we, you know, from that was my only experience <laughs> that we ever had, you know, any kind of uh, thing like that. And, and, you know, so you know, nowadays, you know, we've had a couple of people test positive um, for amphetamines, which is obviously, you know, coming through um, Adderall, and it's it's a bit of a strange, um, um, you know, it's a strange thing where I, I just don't know what what the whole thing is, but you know, why people would be taking it if they're genuinely taking it because they need it, or if they're taking it for any other reasons. But, you know, it's so many riders have been tested in our sport and there's been very, very few issues. And I just, you know, I just I just think our sport is so, um, you know, there's so many things of the puzzle that's got to be good, you know, like uh, obviously the fitness needs to be good, the um, bikes need to be good, and the skill level needs to be good that, Really, cheating in one aspect isn't really going to, you know, it's not really going to help. You know, I feel like it's, you need such a full package that I just feel that, um, you know, I, I, I personally just don't know if, if, if guys do, do go that far. But, you know, like, like I say, anything I've ever heard or seen or anything's just totally been. Uh, I've never seen anything, and it's, it's totally just been rumor based from what I've, I've ever heard. You know.
2: Oh, totally. I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, it's not unlike you see that guy at the gym who's got huge pecs, massive shoulders, and quads the size of your uh, uh, the size of your chest, and you're you looking at him and you're like, ah. Steroids must be. It's not that he works hard or uh, takes the right supplements at the right time or goes to bed a heck of a lot earlier than I do. It's it's because he's on steroids, and uh, I, I think that that the the more cross energy is guilty of that. Um, and and honestly, uh, Gareth, I think you know, you'd probably know uh, just as well as I do. Uh, do you think that t- taking steroids would help you uh, grab the front brake later?
3: No, exactly. That's that's what <laughs> I've
2: always said. You know, like
3: that's what I mean. I think. You know cheating at that, taking something that's gonna make you extremely you know better you know make you way fitter and then you know your bike setup is off you're still not gonna win or you crash in the first turn you're still not gonna win you know what I mean there's too many elements that need to to line up for you to win and then win continuously um that I feel you know it's it's it's, it's yeah, I just, I, I, I just think it's more of a, it's, 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 it's more of a just a rumor based kind of thing because I just, I, I've never, like I said, I've never come across it myself, and I've been involved with a lot of different riders all around the world. Um, I've raced myself all around the world, and I've never even seen anything. So, I just think it's, it's, it's not as, you know, fitness is a huge part of it, but it's still so skill based that. Uh, you know, cheating at one side isn't, it's not, you know, just because you cheated there doesn't mean you're going to win. And, uh, you know, so I, 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 don't, I don't think it's, a, it's as big and tough sport as people think it is.
2: No, I, I often said there's no, uh, there's no amount of uh, performance enhancing drugs that are going to uh, help me win a Supercross title uh, anytime soon. And I, I think that's honestly why it's probably not, that prevalent or even that, honestly, it's not even that talked about. I think it's only when people bring it up that there's buzz about it and then it seems to die down again. I think the the fastest racer will always find a way to grab the the, the front brake a little later, hit the gas a little bit earlier, or stay a little bit lower over the jumps. And that really comes down to skills. On two wheels. Um, to wrap this up, I think uh, I, I had on the podcast uh, not uh, not two hours ago. Go Colt Nichols, one of your athletes that you've worked for th- for two years now. Uh, give me your thoughts on that kid's athleticism and how he how far he's come.
3: Ah, uh, he's um, you know he's a he's a real natural. That guy. He's just very very athletic. Extremely gifted motocross rider uh and i expect things from him i mean we made such a huge step last year i mean if you look at the year before he i think he maybe finished top ten in one outdoor and last year we were you know so many top ten so many top fives and even got on the podium in the outdoors and uh you know broke his femur came back from a broken femur road for two weeks uh you know was on the on the podium the second round of the the Supercross was very unlucky in the first round. I think he could have won the first round. And then, you know, tore his uh, MCL in his knee and came back from that and had a fantastic outdoor season. So he is extremely determined. He's extremely talented. Uh, very, very gifted athlete. He's one of my the most, you know, naturally gifted athletes that, that I work with. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he broke his arm the other day um, so we're back on the <laughs> back on the rehab you know slash fitness training and, and stuff like that and he's going to have to race East Coast now but uh, you yeah, know it was uh, he's. it's kind of a weird deal you know it's, it's almost like he gets injured a lot so he has a little bit of a you know a bit of an unlucky kind of thing but I don't I just I don't think that's it I just think uh, it's just You know, he got hurt last year with uh, something that wasn't his fault when he broke his femur. And then this year was, you know, a small mishap. But uh, I think we're going to get him on track. And I think uh, Colt Nichols is going to be a really big name in the sport.
2: Well, there you go. Um, and I honestly better days ahead for Colton Nichols. I think his best races are yet to come. Gareth Swanickpool, I really appreciate you giving me, uh, just over 50 minutes, my friend. I think this has been informative. I think this has been entertaining and, uh, and thought provoking. I really appreciate the, t- the time, my friend. And, uh, I hope that, uh, uh, you'll, you'll let me, uh, uh, sneak a few sets in with you at, uh, the, the, the W facility, uh, this coming January when I'm down there in California.
3: Oh yeah, perfect. That'll uh, be great, and more um, than welcome. And come over and see us. And uh, yeah, it will be good.
2: Awesome, man. Well, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.
4: All okay. right, perfect.